This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you are here and you are among us, that your glory will shine upon us and your word will be illuminated in our lives so that we will learn what it is you brought us here to learn today. Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So why do we say that word amen? Well, that's a series that we have, have come into Why are we talking about a series by the title, Amen? It's because we say things in church that we don't even understand. What does that word mean? I mean, it kind of creeps out into our everyday world, but but what does it really mean? What what does it, how does it it, uh, come into the context of why we say it all the time in church? And so we're addressing the things that we say in church that we need to understand what they mean. Amen, for example, means so be it or let it become a reality in my life. So when someone says something powerful that you want to become a reality in your life, what should you say? Amen. Amen. That's what we say. Amen. So that it might become a reality in my life. Also, we pray a prayer. I have uh, uh, not too long ago, we were were sitting down for dinner and I I, I looked at my grandson and I said, all right, buddy, let's pray. And this is this is the 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 prayer of a uh, 18, 19 month old at that time. This is it. Are you ready? Amen. I was like, works for me. Let's go. Come on. Well, the reality is he had heard that word, and the thing is, some of us have heard words, but we don't understand what it really means. We've heard the word of God, and we don't understand what it means. So last week, we began a study that we were talking about what does the phrase, when people say in church, that the anointing breaks the yoke of sin. And we talked about how that, that really is telling us to the different translations, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will outgrow the things that once held you back. They will no longer fit you so that when you go back to your sin, you won't fit in that sin anymore. Amen. Can I tell you one of the phrases that I picked up from that and I had to use this week? I looked at something because the literal translation the NIV uses there in Isaiah 10 is that, that the yoke is broken because you've grown too fat for it. So I looked at a sinful opportunity and said, mm, too fat for that. Come on now. Amen. And so we're asking God to grow our lives. So today we come to 2 Peter chapter number 3. And open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter number 3 as we're going to learn about another phrase that we've heard in life and at church. And what does that phrase mean? What does that phrase mean? 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 1 reads like this. Now this is my second letter to you, dear friends. So he said, hey, I've written to you about this before. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking. To stimulate what? Your wholesome thinking. 
and to refresh your memories that I've written to you before about this, and I have the same goal in place that I had then. My goal is to stimulate right thinking and remind you of certain things. He said, I want you to remember these things. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago, and watch this, he's saying what the Holy Prophet, some people are saying today that the Old Testament is of no effect, but this is what Peter said. He said, I want you to remember the Old Testament promises and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. He said, I'm going to tell you, remind you of older promises and what, how you've been taught that you're supposed to live. But most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They're going to say, just live like you want to, okay? They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Verse number eight, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And if you want that to be a reality in your life, let me hear you say, Amen. Amen. God is speaking to us today. The phrase that I want us to dive into today is a very simple phrase that, uh, that we've heard many times in church. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? Anyone who is not raising your hand wasn't listening when I read it 35 seconds ago. <laughs> All right. But... In this time, I've heard people say, I've heard it outside of church. People are like, it's okay, honey, a thousand, when you're waiting a thousand years is like a day, uh, uh, uh to the Lord, and a, uh, you know, and a thousand years is like a day. And so you get all those things and, and turned around in your head. And, and what does that passage even mean? So I thought if we went around the room and we all gave our explanation of what that means, how many of you that really creates a, a terror in your mind for a moment? Because the reality is you don't really know what that means. And if you don't know what this passage means, let me just be real plain. You're in the majority. You're in the majority of even pastors and leaders that really don't understand what this passage means because I got to go on a journey this week to discover this, and I thought, what a great truth that I really didn't catch completely. You see, what we're going to learn here about this phrase, we have to put in context. Why was it said when it was said? Why did Peter say, now remember this, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. Why did he make this statement? Well, here's what he's saying in the passage that I read to you. Peter is saying, I'm writing to you again. Listen to me. He says, I want to remind you, I want you to start thinking about what is right and help you remember what is important. He said, you're thinking about wrong things. You're thinking about wrong things. And, and I didn't do this in the other services, but I just felt while we were worshiping today that I needed to do that in this service. Here are some of the promises that, of God for your life that you need to think about. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
How about this? Though the mountains be shaken, the hills be removed, yet the unfailing love of the Lord will not be shaken from your life. Now, that's a good promise. I mean, over and over again, he said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I mean, it goes on and on that you do not have to fear, for I am with you always, says the Lord. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Come on now. I'm not alone in this promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, the promise of God is that if you ask, God gives it to you freely. If the devil's on your back, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. There's some promises. I'm giving you promises right now. These weren't, like I said, this is not in my notes, but here's another promise. If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of those sins. So that means I don't have to keep going back over and over again because God hears me when I pray. Can we give God a praise for that promise this morning? If my people will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven. They have to turn from their sins, and, and he will heal our land. The Lord's going before us. I mean, just, just all these, how about this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And how about the greatest promise of all? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, here's what Peter says. He said, I've written to you twice now to remind you there's something better you should be thinking about. And there's some things that you need to remember. And so I thought about this. Okay, what's God saying to us? Well, 2 Peter, before he says this in chapter 1, it's a lengthy passage, but I want you to see what he says. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. In other words, God has spoken every promise you need into your life so that you can overcome every temptation, every struggle, every bondage, every attack of the enemy. God has given you the promise. I want you to get this today, okay? He said, we have received all of this by coming to know him. When you came to know Jesus, this became a reality in your life. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse number four. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious what? Promises. Promises. He's given us something better to think about. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Let me just stop there for a moment and say this. What Peter is saying is you're thinking about the wrong thing because you're thinking about your sin and you're thinking about your problems and you're thinking about your pain. He said, but instead of thinking about your problems and your pain, you ought to start thinking about God's promises because that is the power of God to unleash the incorruptible nature of God inside of you to change who you are. I want you to get this, okay? In view of all of this, he said you ought to make every effort to respond to God's promises. If the problem is you're thinking wrong, that's what's giving root to the devil to be able to ruin your life, mess up your world, then what you need to do to change your thinking is start responding to God's promises. Can I tell you one of the promises that helps me the most? When I feel like I, I, I've messed up and I've blown it, I'll begin to quote the word of God that says, I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I begin to quote that I am a blood-bought child of the living God. I begin to quote who he says that I am instead of who my past instead of my failures and my struggles say that I am. Why? Because when you begin to walk in the promises, what are you doing? You're putting every effort to respond to God's promise. 
Can I tell you that most of us are giving every effort to resist God's promise? But how are you going to respond to God's promise? By faith. Supplement your faith. You're, by faith, you're going to have to start believing what God said about you. The next time you go through a struggle, you need to start saying, that's not who God says that I am. The next time the devil tells you that you're never going to overcome, you begin to say, devil, but that's not who God says that I am. And can I tell you, I have people in my life who are more godly and people who are more like, well, let's just say the other side of things. Come on now, man. And I'm tired of believing the wrong, and I'm looking for the ones who are speaking the word of God over my life. And I have become determined to hear what God is saying in my life. Listen to this. My goodness, God's trying to speak to somebody. So have faith and believe God's promises with a generous provision of moral excellence. Oh, hold on, hold on. So I shouldn't only believe what God says about me. I ought to do my best to live up to that standard. And moral excellence with knowledge. And I need to learn what it means to live up to his standard. And knowledge with, uh uh-oh, self Control. And self-control with patient endurance. How many of you love self-control? Nobody enjoys self-control. But sometimes your world gets out of control. And you have to make up your mind, I might not be able to control my world, but I am going to control myself. I'm going to change the way I respond. I'm going to change the way I react. I'm going to change the way I feel and the way I process. Listen to me carefully. I know what it's like to have your world go out of control. The other day I had to preach somewhere in just a few hours and in a matter of about three or four hours, it was like two years worth of work went boom and exploded in my face. And then another major project shifted and another thing that was going to cause around the clock uh, frustration for days uh, came boom, 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 boom. And, I, and it was just all I could do. And so you know what I did? I had this, this appointment. I was going to have to be in a room with a lot of people and I just, I just canceled the appointment. I said, for their own safety, I don't want to be around them. I need to just get along. And so I did something I hate to do. I I hate to eat lunch by myself so bad, I will go hungry not to do it. And I went to lunch by myself. And the whole time I was at lunch, I mean, I'm telling you, I was just getting, just getting madder and more frustrated. And, and I was not thinking about what God said and how God's in control. I was thinking about every way everybody let me down and everybody that I thought I could trust with it. I mean, I was just boom, 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 boom. And I, I, I wasn't thinking on the promises. And do you know what, what got attacked? My self-control. I want you to know I did not get tempted one time to get a drink. Because that's not an issue for me. Not one time did I get tempted to go take something that would give me an unnatural high. Not because that's not an issue for me. But I fell off the wagon so hard. I drove myself to the cookie store. (laughs) I managed to only get one cookie. But it was a double doozy with double icing in between. I said, I got to have something to help me. And I, (laughs) y'all think I'm kidding. I sat outside going, thank you, Jesus. Come on now. (laughs) 
But Jesus had nothing to do with that at that moment. All I knew was that I have been thinking wrong, and because I was thinking wrong, I was desiring wrong, and because I was desiring wrong, I needed to fulfill a desire of the flesh. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is the reason that most of you end up fulfilling the desires of the flesh that you didn't set out to fulfill is because you thought about things that you shouldn't have been thinking about too long, and when you thought about those things too long, before long, it began to invade your flesh, and before long, your flesh wanted to be satisfied, but if I, if you could sit there and say, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to Christ, in Christ Jesus. All things are going to bring us through. God's going to walk me through this. God's going to help me overcome. As you begin to feed your spirit, you'll find out that your flesh will become more under control. Amen. Now, a double doozy might not sound like sin to you, but I guess it is to some of us. My point is this. The more you grow like these things, with godliness and brotherly affection, with love for everyone, patient endurance, the more you grow like this, reading verse 8, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the reason some of you can't break through is because you've not had mental breakthrough. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. I couldn't help but remember Philippians 4, 8 while I was uh, studying this. It said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, help me here, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here's what you need to start thinking about. Think about these things. Here's the reason that the people were struggling. I had to ask myself a question. What was, what was on their mind that was keeping them from thinking about better things? And we find it in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. It says, They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. We find it in chapter 1 when we read, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Wow. Before we can understand today's phrase, we've got to understand why it was said. Peter is writing to people who, just like you and I, have been delivered from a hold of sin on their lives. He reminds them, listen to me carefully, he reminds them to keep feeding themselves the right and wholesome thoughts that will produce righteousness. But then in chapter 2, Peter warns them that some others are preaching a doctrine of hell. And that doctrine is this. It says, whatever feels good, that's what you can do. That doctrine says, if you want it, just take it. Can I tell you where that doctrine of hell first showed up? All the way back in the garden. Oh, why can't you? Do what makes you feel good. Do what makes you fulfilled. He says, look, the reason you're doing the wrong things is because you're thinking about the wrong things. And God's speaking to you, and He wants you to have clarity and understanding about that. You see, the enemy, he wants to start with a strategy to pull you down. And he's going to start pointing out to you some very important things, but I want you to get this great truth. Here's what you need to understand. The verse says you're thinking about the wrong things because you've not remembered the right things. And we are setting ourselves up for future failure when we forget our past deliverance. When you forget what God has done for you 
and all you can think about is where you are. You see, the enemy wants to point out how bad things are. And then he wants to point out other people who aren't even trying to serve God and how good their world looks. And he'll tell you, look what you're going through and all the things you've done for God. The enemy will make your past sin look better than it really tasted. But greatest of all, the greatest tool of the enemy, Scripture's telling us here, is the enemy's going to come to you and say, what good is it serving Jesus? Do you really think he's going to come back? I mean, where is he? You've heard that promise your whole life. People have been preaching. There's going to be a trumpet blast and a loud shout, and then Jesus is going to descend. You've heard that. They've been preaching that for 2,000 years. And, and where is he? I mean, where is he in your life? You don't understand. Where is he? Why, do you, why are you trying? Why are you keep moving forward? And listen to me carefully. To that question, where is Jesus? That's where this phrase that we're looking at today comes from. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. I mean, what kind of answer is that? He said, when the enemy shows up and tells you that God's not for you and that Jesus is not coming back after you, he said, remember, remember, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. What does that even mean? Well, to put it simple and bring that phrase to where we are, it simply means this. It's not been as long as you think. It's not been as long as you think. Let me explain that to you. Truth isn't relative. Truth is truth, whether it's my truth or your truth, truth is truth. The only difference is your opinion and my opinion. But time is relative. Truth isn't relative, but time is relative. Let me give you an example. Let's think about a two-year-old for just a moment. To a two-year-old, next week might as well be next year. And to a two-year-old, next year is never. Why? Because, listen to me, because for a two-year-old, one year represents 50% of their life. 50% of their lives. That's half their life. When you say, when you say, just hold on a few more days to them. I mean, it's sort of like, how many remember when you started school? Remember when you used to start after Labor Day? And even after Labor Day, it seemed like forever until Christmas break. Now our kids start school and we're like, oh my gosh, that's gone. Now I need to find something to do with them for the summer. Why? Because our time has not sped up. It is simply relative. Because if you're 50 years old and you're talking about next year, you're only talking about 2%. A year is only 2% of your life. So to a child, a day actually seems 25 times longer than it does to the parent. When you say to your child, just wait. None of you have ever said anything like that. When your child says, are we there yet? If you start getting with me, I'll finish the sermon. I said, are we there? Yes. Oh, y'all ready. Are you there? Are we there yet? Your child is dealing on a different time frame, and you're thinking you just asked me that 45 minutes ago, but they're dealing on a different time frame. And so what we have to realize that truth isn't relative, but time is. So with God, a thousand years are like a day, and with us, a day can feel like a thousand years. 
You see, we judge everything in our lives by the speed of light. We want it now. We want it to happen. Boom. We judge things by the time of the speed of light. But the kingdom of God does not operate on the speed of light. The kingdom of God operates on the speed of a seed. I want you to get that. The speed of a seed. Because God speaks a promise into your life and it has to plant. And after it plants, it has to take root and germinate. And after it takes root and germinates, watch this now, it grows. And after it grows to maturity, then it produces fruit. And God's not looking for you to get your problem fixed. God's looking to grow you beyond your problem and to grow you past that so that the fruit of righteousness might be produced in you through that. And we want God to fix it now. And God, I've been at this so long, and God's going, you don't even know what long is. I sat down with a dear brother today, and I said something about somebody being 49 years old. And he said, I remember those days. And I was thinking, I don't know those days yet. Come on now, amen. And as I'm thinking about that, he was telling me of his age, and I was thinking about the relativity of this sermon in the time in that moment. What may seem like long for one is not as long. What may seem long for you, God's just getting started good. What he wants you to do is stop thinking about all the problems and start thinking about all the promises. And when you start thinking about all the promises, God starts growing something inside of you that when it comes out of you, it will produce fruit, and it will change not only your life, but the life of people around you. I guess the point of this is stop giving up too soon. Because you've been like, well, God, I'm going to give you six more months. Don't do that. God, I've given you my life. I'm never turning back. I'm going to see if this doesn't fix God, I want to try something. No, 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 no. You're trying to manipulate God. Put your faith in God and say, God, though you slay me, yet will I serve you. Because the cross might be before me, but the world's behind me and there is no turning back. I go forward for the cause of Christ. I'm not going to give up anymore. The problem is we get ahead of God instead of keeping in step with the Spirit because we have the wrong concept of time. We start reacting instead of waiting to act. We start falling behind because of frustration, just because it seems that God isn't moving fast enough. He's not moving fast enough for us to trust him. Trust me, God is moving, and he's firmly fixed on what is best for you. Stop feeling like you're going to have to compromise your standards and your faith just because your life isn't keeping up with the schedule that you have set. It might not be that God is late, It might be that it's your watch that needs to be adjusted. Verse number nine. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises as your time relativeness says it is. He's already working. Here's a phrase that doesn't really cross over as much, but it's a phrase that makes sense. It says this, but for David's sake, But for David's sake, this is all throughout the Old Testament, but for David's sake, because of David's sake, over and over again, this phrase is used. We find it multiple places. We actually find it in the year 853 BC. King Jehoram has just ascended to the throne. King Jehoram has has taken the throne. As he's taken the throne, he slaughters all of his siblings, murders them all because he's going to to stranglehold the throne. He's He's not giving it up. 
And this horrible atrocity that occurs, everyone is expecting the judgment of God to destroy King Jehoram and destroy Judah. But this passage that in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse number 19 says this, Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah, what's this, for the sake of his servant David, as he had promised him, as he had what? Promised. God would not let this happen because his promise had already been planted inside of David. And because David allowed the promise to grow at the speed of the seed, God said, I'm not going to destroy this wicked nation because I've got a promise that's still working. And because of the promise, he said, I'll give you a lamp of his sons forever. Listen to me carefully. When this verse is said, because of David, do you know where David was? Anybody know where David was at this point? Dead. For 117 years, dead. It's over. Most of us would have thought because David died without seeing the promise fulfilled that the promise would have died. But once God plants a promise in somebody who will keep going and allow it to germinate and will allow it to grow and will allow it to bear fruit, it keeps going. God never forgets his people and God never forgets his promises. The only thing that God will ever forget is forgiven sin. That's the only thing that God ever forgets. And even when it seems like on your timetable it's too late and it's over, God's still working. God's still moving. God's still fulfilling. 117 years later, God says, I found somebody who would hold on to my promises and I must always fulfill my word because I'm not a man that I should lie, he said. And he's still working. Some of you think that it's over and some promise is too late for you. That's because you're thinking like a two-year-old. You have no concept of what he's thinking Because all we can see is right here and right now, but God has the end game in sight. Simple phrase. A thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. Maybe we ought to break it down a little bit. so, So keep going. How about just keep going? Keep going. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Stop thinking about what you're going through and start thinking about the one who promised he'd bring you through. But pastor, you don't understand where my family is. Stop thinking about where you are and start realizing whose you are. But pastor, you don't understand what has attacked me, but don't forget who is for you. And though the enemy may raise up a standard against you, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the living God will come in and raise up a standard again, quoting the promises of God over your life. Stop thinking about the problems and the pain and start thinking about the promises and don't forget what he's already brought you through because the God who brought you this far can take you the rest of the way if you keep going bow your heads with me that's 
That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. Thank you.